Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may take a seat. Colby, you can come on up. Yeah, let's give it up for Colby. I didn't know last week with the hat, the gardener, if you were like the Lord, if you're the Holy Spirit, if you're a prophet, but you're Colby and I'm glad you're here. So take it away, pal. Appreciate that. I was the Holy Spirit, actually. Um, that was the role that I played. And now I'm playing the role of Colby. So sit down and buckle up. I'm just kidding. That's a bad intro. <laughs> okay. When everyone is filled with faith, you need to be filled with fear. Wait a second. That's wrong. You need to be filled with faith when everyone else is filled with fear. So I noticed that when I watched this episode of a TV show that I was obsessed with uh, called The 100. Have any of you seen The 100? We got it. Okay. So we have a few. We have a few. So I get really into TV shows uh, like too much and I just binge them. It's a problem. Um, got to work on it. But I was really obsessed a while ago with the show called The 100. And uh, I, I just loved it so much. And then, you know, as I do with TV shows, I usually stop watching because I'm really critical about them. And anytime somebody makes a decision, I wouldn't, I stop watching because I'm like, that's ridiculous. And so this show disappointed me big time. Uh, sorry if you really like it. I didn't. Um, basically what happens in it, a nuclear holocaust happens over the whole earth. All the countries send up a bunch of spaceships of people into space, call it the Ark. And then 97 years go by and they're running out of oxygen. So they send 100 juvenile delinquents down to earth to see if the ground is survivable. And obviously there's going to be a lot of tension and angst with juvenile delinquents on earth trying to live together. And so two leaders kind of rise up in the first season. And uh, one is a leader who I personally love. Um, I think he's, he was amazing. He grew, he was kind of like pictured as the twisted one who did whatever the heck he wanted and, uh, he slowly grew into this very strong, noble leader. And the other one, she was ridiculous. She thought she was the best. Uh, she made all the wrong decisions. Uh, and so she was filled with fear. And uh, at the end of the season, there's a bunch of brutal and powerful enemies marching in on their camp. They see all these people, they're called grounders. And uh, they see them, they're people that have lived in tribes for the past 97 years on the earth. And uh, they're starting to move in on them and they see these people coming and they have two choices and it's to stand and fight for the land that they have walked into, the land that they have inherited, or it is to run in fear. And so in, in, in this beautiful moment, my favorite leader, uh, my favorite character, he stands up and he gives this beautiful speech and he's talking about, this is our land. Like we are grounders now. We've walked into this and so we should fight. We can do this. Like, believe me guys. And then this other character, she comes in and she's like, no, we're scared. We got to run. We got to go. So everyone runs because they listen to the wrong person. They are filled with fear. The promise of what they were supposed to be given, uh, they ran from it. They ran from the land. And so I thought of that. And when I was thinking of that, it thought, made me think of what's next for me. So in 23 days, I'm going to be graduating from my four-year long commitment here. In 23 days, it's all over for my time at Summit right now. Uh, I know that my picture's all over the school for grad studies, but I'm not actually coming back for grad studies. So uh, yeah, 23 days. And I feel like, I feel like right now I'm, I'm standing on this ridge and I'm looking over to what's next. And I just see giants. And I see these powerful things that are filling me with fear. 
I see that I don't have a job lined up yet. So you guys don't have to ask about that anymore. I see that I don't have a place to live lined up yet. I see that I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know the community that I'm going to be surrounded with. I don't know who I'm going to be mentored by, who I'm going to be surrounded, my, surrounded by. And I feel like all these questions and insecurities can easily arise. Like, am I good enough to go into ministry now? Can I do full-time pastoral work? All these questions can rise and fill me with fear right now. In 23 days, some of you are graduating from four years. Some of you are graduating from Omega and leaving Summit. Some of you are going into new jobs, new workplaces. You're going to be surrounded by new people or old people, not like age-wise, but people that you used to be surrounded by. And uh, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of fear that can rise in our hearts from not knowing what's going to happen or not knowing if we're able to face these giants. But through this fear and intimidation, there's a good promise. Caleb's story is what we're going to be talking about today. It's, a, it's, oh, it's so good. So good. Numbers 13 and 14 is where it starts. It's about a leader who chooses faith about a land that's filled with giants. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The city's fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread a bad report about the land. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And in this, you can picture these spies, these 12 spies that go into the land, peering over this ridge into a land that was promised to them years and years and years ago. They see these giants, they see these strong forces, they see these heavily fortified cities and they crumble in fear and they don't trust what the Lord has said. And because of the 10 spies' disobedience uh, to what God had called them into, they're not allowed to enter the promised land. All of these uh, Israelites at the time and Actually, God in his righteousness and justice wants to punish these people for disobeying him over and over and over and over again. But Moses pleads for God's mercy and the Lord replies, I have forgiven them as you have asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. You see, Caleb and Joshua are different. They respond differently to the fear that they may feel. They respond differently to the things that they see ahead of them. They know the Lord is faithful in his promise and it changes the way that they're obedient. In the present text that we're in, uh, we're at the end of the Canaanite conquest. Uh, Israel is finally realizing God's promise of entering that land. For Caleb, this is 45 years later after that moment happens. 45 years 
After he receives that promise, the text picks up Joshua 14, 6 to 15. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and about me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest for more. We've had some wonderful speakers uh, over this month, some of our grads getting to share through the narrative of Joshua. We heard about how God fulfilled his promise when Israel crossed into their calling, how Israel was faithful to wait on the Lord at Jericho, how God was faithful to bring victory through Israel's repentance. There was victory in AI because God was faithful. Jesus's excellent example was shown through Joshua and the provision of our faithful God was talked about last. Now in Joshua 14, we see a God who is faithful to his promise. We see how Caleb is faithful and obedient over time. Caleb's story is a story of being faithful in opposition, being vigorous and devoted to the Lord wholeheartedly. He knew that God was faithful to his promise. And Caleb saw the giants. He knew the giants. He had the giant of having to stand up against people in his own community. When they said that this land is terrifying, he had to stand up, him and Joshua only, and say, no, this is not right. We follow the Lord. And then he had to continue for 45 more years without entering that promise to be faithful and obedient again and again and again. So that brings me to my first point. Identify your giants. To identify means to establish or indicate what or who someone or something is. You see the spies, they look ahead, they see the land and they're filled with fear. They forget God's promise because of that. The spy's report is a report of fear and unfaithfulness to the Lord who assured the Hebrews that he would go before them, which he proved he could do over and over and over and over again. This is in contrast to Caleb, who in the past and presently is entering into that inheritance. He is faithful and trusting that God will make a way even in the face of the Aniakim, who may still dwell where Caleb intends. And now I don't think Caleb and Joshua were naive to the size, the material protection of the land that they were spying on. They saw it. They may have been filled with that same feeling that the other spies were. However, we see in Numbers 13 that if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. They did not fear the giants that they saw because they fully realized who the Lord was and how the Lord was faithful. Number two is we need to realize God's promise. 
To realize means to become fully aware of something as a fact or to understand it clearly. Caleb fully realized God's promise. He may still have had fear, but he knew that if God said move, then move. If God says go, then go. Joshua 14, 8, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of my people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And then we see, we see this moment where Caleb says he is still strong for war and his strength was not exaggerated or a lie. He was speaking the truth. And the reason he could say this was because he knew the battle was never his to begin with. He knew that the promise of the land was a fact and the Lord would use him in every way that he promised. It was the Lord's battle. All it took when he was 40 was not his strength or his manliness, but it was, I believe God. I believe he made a promise. He's going to give us the giants. He's going to give us the land. He's now 85 years old. Nothing has changed. He is still as strong as he was for war. It is the Lord's battle. Caleb knows the Lord is going to conquer this land the same way that he was 45 years before. Caleb believes in God's promise that he will deliver. He knows that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That it is not by chariot nor by horse, but by trusting in the Lord. Caleb believes God is faithful to his promise. He believes if the land is going to be given to them, it was going to happen. That was a fact. God's promise was greater than any giant or fear that Caleb may have had. So Caleb identified his giants. He realized God's promise and it spurred him on to be faithful and obedient. Be faithful and obedient. 45 years have gone by. Imagine your community has all been dying and being raised anew. You've been fighting in a war for seven years, a hard war. And then this 85-year-old crazy guy comes out and he's like, I am still as strong and vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. That's wild. Wow. Caleb is speaking truth. Caleb is faithful and obedient. And that is why he can say this. And I believe that uh, Mark Hawks would say about Caleb that he takes care of the little things. Over the years, he's taking care of the little things. Like Cammie said, the Lord's provision is not just in the big things. And for Caleb, the Lord's provision was every day and everything. Because he was faithful and obedient, God's blessing and provision was on him. We can compare the spies report um, to, to what the Canaanites experienced when the Hebrews were entering the land. So the spies report says that he, the, the spies made the Israelites' hearts melt in fear at the giants that were in the land they were told to enter into. But then we move forward to when the Israelites are entering into the land and look at the Canaanites' response to Caleb's God entering their land, Joshua 5.1. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Caleb was faithful and obedient. He trusted the same God that made the hearts of giants melt. Caleb understood God is faithful. And in that, it wasn't about just sitting back and saying, okay, Lord is faithful, it's gonna happen. I can sit back, kick up my feet and rest. No, he knew it was more than a passive obedience, but God's faithfulness changed his obedience. And he wanted to fight and work hard for the Lord and be in the battle. So this message in Caleb's life 
It invites us to evaluate ourselves. It allows God's faithful promise. And if we can allow God's faithful promise to change our obedience. I spoke a little about the things that are easy to fear that are coming up for me. You know, the things that are easy to fear that are coming up for you in the land. But through my four years here at Summit, I have not been foreign to seeing giants ahead of me, to, being, to wanting to run from the things I'm afraid of. In my first year, uh, before entering into my second semester over the Christmas break, I felt like I was standing at this ridge and seeing just a land filled with fear. Before I had come back, right going into the break in my first year, I'd been denied multiple leadership positions. I'd lost some really important friends in my life. I was sick. I felt tired. I felt alone. I felt hopeless. And I was looking to going back into school. I was looking to that other side of the land and seeing all these things. And I just wanted to run. Like that episode, I thought the only way that I could get out is if I just run away. But my heart knew that God was faithful. He had been working on me. I knew the call that he has for us, that, that I wanted to be faithful and obedient and live a life worthy of following Christ crucified. I wanted to know why it mattered to live faithful and obedient to that call. And since that time, in my four years, I've been able to realize God's promise in my life. I've been so blessed in my time here. I've gotten to work with two teams of some of the most amazing and wonderful people that I've ever gotten to know in the Omega program. I've been so blessed to work under two of the most authentic and amazing leaders, Jason Vicky. I've had close friendships that have been able to challenge me, have been able to encourage me, care for me in ways that I couldn't imagine. I've been completely transformed, renewed, and blessed over these four years because of my faithfulness and obedience to keep coming back. My experience wasn't always easy, even though I've had these great things, and I don't expect it ever will be. And I don't think that's a good expectation that it's gonna be easy. But with obedience and faithfulness, God's blessing comes. Obedience and faithfulness is greater than any giant that we can see in our land. This promised land that Caleb entered, it's an inheritance from the Lord, much like how Jesus provides the Christian with an inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. This is a parallel that I don't want you to miss. That God's rest is heaven to me and you. The promised land is God's rest. The promise of entering God's rest is not fulfilled with Joshua and Israel in Canaan. That is a temporal rest in Canaan. That's only a symbol or a type at best of the promise of God's eternal rest that we have. The spiritual reality of God's rest in the present tense involves yielding of our own will to God so that we no longer do as we please, but we joyfully live according to his will. We cease from our own work and we live, let him work in us according to his good pleasure. To enter God's rest requires diligence, not passivity. Wholehearted pursuit, not indifference. An active faith expressed in obedience not the unbelief and disobedience from
from the Old Testament Israelites. Caleb knew he was in a battle. We need to know that we're in a battle and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Caleb understood the balance of how there's fight in the rest. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Well, Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Wow. Caleb was just as vigorous. 45 years of watching close friends, close family pass away. 45 years where he had to fight in war, had to move from place to place, had to live in wilderness. And he says, after this war, seven years into this war, he says, I am just as vigorous. Can we look at ourselves right now? Can I look at myself right now? Look at how I came into Summit. Look at how I came into the semester a year and leave saying, I'm just as vigorous to go on into battle now as I was then. Evaluate yourself. Are we just as vigorous? Do we feel empty? God's promise of rest can provide us with strength and vigor. It, strength is found in him over and over and over again. Do not let your giants hinder your faith and obedience. Make every effort to live obediently and faithfully to God's call. He is faithful in his promise, his promise of eternal rest with him and every single thing that accompanies that in this life. Band, you guys can come back up now. What we see from Caleb is that when you truly believe that God is faithful, it will change the way you are obedient to him. Thank you. In Christ's rest, the promise of Christ's rest, the blessing of Christ's rest, we can know this truth. We have not been set free from the fight, but we have been set free for the fight. Again, Caleb's strength, it wasn't found by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Not Caleb's spirit, the Lord's spirit. Not by chariot, not by horse, but by trusting in the Lord. We serve a living God. He is up to stuff. He's doing stuff. He's done stuff in the past with the Israelites, with the early church, but he is doing stuff right now. He's a living God. Find the move of God in your life and move with him. Be faithful and obedient to the move of God. Get up and do something. Discern the move of God in your life. Soak in your time with him and be challenged by the move of God. My question for you is, what are the giants that you see in the land before you? What are the things that fill you with fear? The things that would cause you to be disobedient? What has that fear caused you to do? Has that fear caused you to miss out and not enter into certain places you're called to? Has it caused you to turn away from mentorship that can challenge you? Has it turned, caused you to run from certain community or certain people that are placed in your life to bless you. 
Has that fear caused you to be disobedient or has it caused you to be obedient, to be faithful and to push, to fight? Can you live like Caleb and say you were just as vigorous and strong for the Lord's battle because you were that obedient to him, because you were that faithful to him? Stop telling God how big all of our giants are and begin telling ourselves how big our, or start begin telling ourselves and our giants how big our God really is. I want you to walk up. I want you to take your, sorry, I want you to take your pen and paper first. And I want you to write down your answers to these two questions. I want you to reflect on these things. I want you to think about the things that you see ahead of you right now that are causing you fear whether it's jobs, whether it's placement, maybe it's internal. Maybe there's things internally that are causing you fear and causing you to be disobedient. What does that fear cause you to do? Has it caused you to strive for obedience and faithfulness despite the fear? Or has it caused you to run? After you've reflected and written down some of these things, I want you to walk up and I want you to place those things at the cross. As if you're walking into the land God has promised you and you're giving those fears of giants, maybe those things that you've been disobedient about, and I want you to put those at the feet of cross because Jesus promises through him, we do not need to fear and that his yoke is easy. So let us be faithful and obedient to fight the good fight, to live a life worthy of Christ crucified. I want you to reflect on it. I want you to worship God for his faithfulness, the promise of rest that he gives. It is his battle, his strength, his provision that will carry you. And he's faithful to forgive. And so if you've been disobedient, if you've run, just give that to him. Put that at the feet of the cross. It is for you to decide if his faithfulness will change your obedience. Let's reflect and think about that together. Thank you, Lord.